The content of this podcast is provided as general informational purposes only. It is not intended for, nor should it be used to replace professional behavior intervention and advice. This is Sissy. And this is Susan. And we are Function Junction. Behavior matters. It sure does. What are we going to talk about today, Sissy? I wanted to talk about an experience I had that will I don't want to tell you what the question is going to be about. So I won't tell you what I think it demonstrates. But let's say it's a little girl named Lucy. So I was coming in to try to help problem solve some things with her, except I didn't have to problem solve the function because an FBA, a functional behavior assessment, had already been done. And uh, the target behaviors for her were fleeing the area, running away from people, in other words, or physical aggression, where she might hit or kick, that kind of thing. So they already knew those were the behaviors that they needed to work on. And they also knew that she would use that to get out of work she didn't want to do, or if she wanted something that she couldn't have, you might see those behaviors. This is also a student who is diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. So the ARD committee, the IEP committee wanted to include some calming strategies in her day too, to try to keep her on an even keel. What kind of program was she in? Was she like a general ed kid or a special ed? She was a combo kid. She had been doing quite a bit in general education and a little and moving back and forth between a special education class and a general education class. She was several years behind in her academic skills. What grade is she in real quick? She is a fourth grader who was really functioning more like a first grader as far as math and reading go. So that comes into play in that, you know, when the time that she's in general education, the demands are kind of high for a kid whose academic skills are so significantly behind. You add on top of it some anxiety and some, you know, other learning disabilities. And she was one of the other solutions they had were how about we pull her back into more time in one setting. So in a special education setting, and then we begin to help her out into general ed as we see that her anxiety is under control, her ability to uh, not run away, those kinds of things. So yeah, that, you know, I mean, it wasn't ever meant to be a forever thing, but that's where they wanted to start. She did go to uh, PE, that kind of class, because she was very able to do the skills that all the other kids were doing there and seemed to be able to follow directions in that setting and had not run away or been aggressive during during those kinds of classes. So we, we looked at a few things. Knowing that there was some anxiety, we put a visual schedule in place for her, Uh, not the kind with pictures and stuff. She could read enough to read the words related to her school day. So it laid out her school day for her so that she could anticipate one of the fun things coming. You know, when am I going to recess? When am I going to lunch? When did I get to go, you know, to PE? When will the LSSP come to see me, which in Texas is a licensed specialist in school psychology. Uh, She 
really had kind of an attachment to that person. So we were able to lay those things out for her. And that we probably all, helped with her anxiety, right? Just having that capability. That, that, that's, that is the goal of that piece for her. And also to help her see what work she had to do and when that work would be over. Because if you want to refuse your work, at least you know it's not going to last forever. You know, the other piece that they put in place were ways for her to escape work. She could ask for a break. She could ask for help and then ways to make sure she could ask for the things that she wanted. So she had some little extra visual supports as a reminder, just like when you go into the hospital and they have those pictures on the wall that show what level of pain you're in. You know, if you're in the middle of an emergency you might not be able to verbalize as well. And they, those, that's what those pictures are there for. So sometimes we put visuals in place for children who are still very capable of verbalizing because when their stress levels are up, we want them to be able to be reminded, oh yeah, that's right. I can ask for a break. Yes. You know, I think we talked about in another podcast, that whole notion of a break and people kind of, t- it's a hard pill to swallow for some people because they think, well, if we teach her to ask for a break, she'll be breaking all day, right? Yeah, and this is probably a story we will repeat again and again. If you are thinking about a student who will run and and run without stopping or will hit and kick and bite, if those are their go-tos for asking for a break, I would rather them ask for a break all day long than run and end up into traffic or uh, you know, injure themselves or someone else with hitting. So for now, <laughs> I absolutely will take breaking all day. And I think we'll up. talk about this in a couple of ways. So you would shape out the asking for a break so that she's doing a little bit before she gets a break and so on and so forth. And then she also used shaping to increase her time back in general ed, right? Exactly. So, so we have, you know, she can ask for a break. And in fact, we decided to go ahead and mark hourly on the schedule so that we could check in with her on, are you staying in your area? Are you keeping your hands and feet to self? So instead of running, you're staying, instead of hurting others, you're keeping your hands and feet to self. And then that practicing a calming strategy. So it might be carrying some heavy books to another teacher. It might be some little exercises. It might be a quiet area that she had that she could choose to go to at any time. And let me tell you, if a kid is a runner and you teach them to run to that area, you know, that is so much easier to deal with as a teacher to know, oh, I don't like that she ran from me, but I knew where she ran to and she is safe. And that's the important part. And then- Yeah, when you have the rapport with a student, then you're able to say, I see that you were upset and I hate that you were that upset. I want us to practice something so that next time you can say, just let me have a minute, you know, or whatever it is that you want to say to a student. So she could go to that break area and certainly be rewarded if she asked for the the break area instead of just running to it. Uh, she could ask for help. She could ask for the things that she wanted. In fact, we want to reward all of those. But she would get a, a you know, a plus sign for 
keeping our hands and feet to self, staying in our area and practicing a strategy that is specifically being reinforced. Because if the only time we practice a calming strategy is when a child is upset, what do you think happens? They begin to associate their being upset with the fact that you ask them to do some wall push-ups. <laughs> I don't want wall push-ups. Wall push-ups never help me. You know, no, they don't help you if the only time that I talk to you about them is when you're um, upset. So we put those things in place. And yes, the idea of she, we knew she would be successful in PE. So out we go to PE. And then, you know, maybe we add in music and art class and then begin to look at what is her strongest academic piece or what is the academic activity that we think is most likely to be successful for her. You know, maybe she loves social studies, you know, and so social studies might be where we start or, yeah. So I was going to ask you when you're talking about putting a plus mark on something, what is that? Isn't that some kind of a reinforcement system? Well, that could be a token system, right? If, if she's made the association between getting those pluses being exchanged for, you know, and that is what happened with her, we would reward her at the end of the day based on how many of those plus marks she had gotten. What can you, can you buy some extra computer time? If there is, you know, if the school uses some kind of, positive behavior bucks kind of thing. You know, some schools do that where the kids can get school money that is traded in for different activities or, or items. So yeah. And luckily for us, she is advanced enough to understand that concept that these pluses can be traded for these activities. So she could wait the entire day to exchange those. There was definitely a layered system in place, though, because she would do some work and get rewarded for the work. At the end of each challenging activity, there was a rewarding activity, like some time to look at catalogs that she liked to look at or play with Play-Doh or a little time on YouTube if it's, you know, a, a safe YouTube channel kind of thing. So rewards for work rewards at the end of the day also. And then even some of those she would save up for and trade in for, for bigger prizes in the school store. I love that, that differentiation for reinforcers. I remember I had a teacher who had a, two stores. She had a Walmart store and a Nordstrom store. <laughs> and so kids could buy and cash in pretty frequently at Walmart, or they could save up <laughs> to go to the Nordstrom store. I just thought that was really, really smart and sweet and cute. <laughs> I love that idea. And I, you know, I've had teachers before who would put money amounts to everything. And so, you know, 10 minutes of computer time costs this much money and the kids would add up their money every day and decide, do they want to trade in their money today or stay for another day, which is really a cool thing to teach kids about saving and keeping track of your savings. Nowadays, I guess nobody has to balance their checkbook I guess not very many people even write checks, but anyway, that, that was a, that's a really cool way to help kids see the value. And it also uh, helps kids prepare for adulthood. I was in a really cool classroom not too long ago and the teacher had debit cards for each student. And so they would earn money on the debit card and then they too could buy 
you know, short-term reinforcers or for more long-term reinforcers. And, and they could buy movies, they could buy computer time, they could buy candy, they could buy snacks, toys, different things. So um, I love that idea of really preparing for adulthood. Yeah, I really do like that, especially because I, what I particularly like some of the things that you mentioned are the things that are not going to cost the teacher money. You know, if I have computer time or a part of a movie that I get to watch or extra recess or don't have to wear my shoes today, you know. Yeah, I love that. So tell uh, me about Lucy. How does she do? Well, it, it works. It's working really well for Lucy. Earning all her points. You know, the important pieces for Lucy are that we're giving her feedback on a regular basis on those target behaviors that she is practicing the calming strategies. Definitely mention, you mentioned the idea of, you know, a kid asks for a break in the beginning, you're going to give them that break right away. But as soon as you can, you know, when you know you have the rapport to say, okay, but do two more for me and then we'll take a break or do three more for me. So you're helping them see that, that they can do a little bit more before they get the break and they're building their tolerance for those unpleasant kinds of things like having to do schoolwork. But, you know, if we could think of ourselves like coaches, like a coach who is helping a kid become a better basketball player or baseball player or whatever, or working out in the gym is, it's not going to be perfect every time. But if they're moving forward better, we, we are shaping that behavior. So we see that all the time in sports. And the definition of shaping is reinforcing approximations of the behavior, right? So we don't expect this kid to be a pro golfer the first time he picks up a golf club, right? Right. Lucy to be in general day with no incidents, right? So we have to kind of step back and back up and look at where she then kind of move forward. And I think that's one thing that teachers and behavior analysts kind of miss because spend a lot of time in early childhood special education classes for kids three to five and the teacher wants the kiddo to be able to sit for music time or circle time or what have you and the kiddo hasn't even been able to learn to sit under a cue so I spend a lot of time with those teachers really backing up and looking at those skills like sitting in a chair responding to name following one step directions things like that so I love that you you guys did that for Lucy yeah. So shaping that behavior. And again, saying, so you, you expect this fourth grader to be able to do this, but she's not. Where is she? Just like talking about the preschoolers. You know, you may have other preschoolers who can sit in circle time for 30 minutes, but this little one can't. How long can it? Well, a minute. Great. Let's start with a minute and we'll build on that. So yeah, we definitely saw that frequent rewards for work Delayed rewards, you know, on top of it for those target behaviors were very helpful to her and giving her feedback on how she was doing with it and, and not reprimand, but just feedback. You stayed in your area, keep your hands and feet to yourself. Let's practice and, and very calm with the whole practice piece. So I do have a question for the, you know, a, a question and see how folks do with it. So. Lucy has two target behaviors. She will run from her designated area, requiring adults to run after her. She is also physically aggressive and will hit and kick others. It is sometimes hard to see the precursors to these behaviors, but the staff at her school have concluded 
that both of these behaviors serve as escape from work. They want to teach Lucy to ask for help or a break as a replacement behavior to running, kicking, or hitting. They have created a check-in sheet for Lucy. Each hour, they use the sheet to review whether Lucy has remained in her area and or kept her hands and feet to herself. At this time, they also have Lucy choose an appropriate break activity, which frequently includes proprioceptive activities. At the end of the day, Lucy tallies the checks on her check-in sheet and chooses a reward if she has earned enough checks. In this example, the check-in sheet represents a, DRA, B, DRI, C, DRO, or D, bribery. <laughs> which, one, which one made you laugh, Susan? <laughs> you know, I hear that a lot that, you know, I'm not going to bribe my kid to do something he should do. And I tell people all the time, you're not. Yeah. So I don't think it's D. I don't think it's bribery. Right. Because no, well, hang on a second. Because that's like bribery is asking someone to do something illegal against right. the rules and keeping your hands and feet to self or asking for a break or asking for help. Those things are not illegal. So that's to exactly reward right. her for that is not bribery. You're right. I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had with parents over the years about the difference between positive reinforcement and bribery. So, so it's definitely a DR. And I think the DR procedures are a little bit confusing for people. So let's kind of talk through. DRI is reinforcing an incompatible behavior. So I don't think that that's what you're doing there. You're not reinforcing her doing something impossible or incompatible with the hitting and, and kicking and running. It could be DRA because you are reinforcing an alternate behavior, right? Could be because you're teaching her to ask for a break. You're teaching her to do things. It could also be DRO, right? Because we're reinforcing the absence or zero occurrences of the running and the hitting and kicking. So what yeah. do you think? Well, and so that's how this question helps us if we're thinking about taking the big exam. Right. Because it does, you do see work on teaching an alternative behavior, but the check-in sheet itself, just checking in, you're really looking at the absence of running, the absence of hurting. So it is a DRO, the differential reinforcement of other, as long as she's not hitting, as long as she's not running away, those marks are going to go there. So that I is, think a good way to remember DRO is, you know, think about that O. Think about zero. There's zero rates of behavior. So you're reinforcing anything other than yeah. or zero kicking, hitting, running. Yeah. And so I think that's be helpful for people. And then with I, I always love, I always prefer that as incompatible or impossible. Yeah. Um, those are two good little tricks to remember those terms. All right, Sissy. Well, that was a great story about Lucy. Thanks for sharing that. Um, thanks everybody for listening. We hope you have a great rest of your day. And if you would please write us wherever it is you're listening to your podcasts and please leave us a review. Thanks, thanks so, much. so much. Have a great day.